Today on the Almond Journey podcast. The way things are done in California, especially, everything is counted. Everything is accountable. The university system is there. The agriculture department is there. The Almond board is there. We are so visible and we are proud to share that information with the people. Why India loves California almonds. back to the Almond Journey podcast brought to you by the Almond Board of California. On this show, we discover how growers, handlers, and other stakeholders are making things work in their operations to drive the almond industry forward. I'm your host, Tim Hamrich, and I get to travel up and down the valley to feature these leaders who are finding innovative ways to improve their operations, connect with their local communities, and advance the almond industry. In today's episode, we're headed to Chico, California, to visit with Monish Seth, president and owner of Farmers International. Monish and his wife, Versa Seth, who you'll also hear from on today's episode and also works at the company, sat down with me at the Almond Conference last December. Their incredible story of migrating to California from India in the early 90s to find a new source of high-quality almonds is inspiring in and of itself. But they also share some real insights today about how India, which doesn't have any domestic production of almonds to speak of, became such a massive consumer of the nut. Over the past 32 years, Monish and Versha have established Farmers International as a grower, processor, holder, and exporter of almonds to India and to countries around the world. You know, our family uh, uh, migrated from India in uh, 1991. Our family was in the marketing and distribution of uh, nuts and dried fruit in India. And the main importing center for marketing was Afghanistan. And the first time the Taliban took over you know, we had to shut down our operations. And my family, I had just graduated, got married to my wife, and they were looking for a source for almonds and landed up in California. So my job was to secure almonds for my family in India. And one thing led to another and never went back. Wow. Very interesting. So make sure I understand correctly. You're in India and you were importing almonds from Afghanistan. Is that right? My family was at wow. the time. Yes. And then your source dried up and the next uh, place you went to look was Chico, California. Yes. My father-in-law had come to see his friend in San Francisco, who was a consul general at the time. And in one of the official meetings and somebody asked him, hey, what do you do? He says, we are in the almond business. And he says, why don't you do something here in California? And the next thing is, dad said, give me a call. I said, hey, you're moving to California. And I asked him, doing what? He says, I know how to sell. You better source them. Wow. That is an amazing story. And so uh, how long from that call were you in California looking for almonds? Right from day one. You know, my job was to find almonds from other packers, growers. There was not a whole lot of people doing in-shell almonds at the time. So after a little bit of research, we decided that we're going to do our own. And, uh, you know, we bought a, a small facility in Chico and started building our plant and uh, then got into the hulling shelling business. And since then, uh, you know, we've been producing and hulling and shelling and marketing almonds since 91. Amazing. So 1991, you got here 
And were you the one that was responsible for originating the almonds in Afghanistan? Was that already your job? No, this was uh, my dad. Our dad, he had started 40, 50 years ago. I never got involved because we were young and in the college. And by the time we graduated from the college, the Afghanistan was kind of getting iffy. And uh, the family was looking for another source. And uh, they thought, like, we are young and just got married. will be a good fit that we move to California. Yeah. So what was that like for you when you started? You know, I would imagine you didn't have any contacts. You know, we we just uh, came here and uh, started exploring. Very soon realized that uh, we will not be able to buy from the growers. They are a close community because nobody knows us. And we thought, you know, the best thing would be to maybe start our own operation, bought some acreage and, and started developing relationship. And it's been a blessing since then. Overall, the community has accepted us very well. And uh, now we we farm and uh, we have more than 100 plus growers that we buy from and uh, we process and we export. Are you exporting primarily to India still? It started as India-centric operation, but we pretty much go all over the globe now. And uh, India is just one of the markets that we go to. We go to Middle East, we go to China, we go to Europe and domestic. And is it still a family company? You know, you're kind of buying and and uh, processing the almonds and then they're selling them overseas. Is that right? Yeah. No, my wife is very much integral part of the business. And uh, now the next generation has started to come in. Great. Would you mind being on the podcast? Back in 1991, did he just come to you and say, we're going to be moving to the U.S.? Dad addressed it together to us and we took a call. And when dad says something, you listen to it and just do it because it's for your good. Yeah. And so were you in the almond business before? Yes, it was our family business. And we had actually grown up seeing dad doing that from literally day one. Nuts and dry fruits were spoken, eaten. We breathe through things that way. So it was nothing new for us. But moving to a new country with a small child of 10 months, and knowing nothing of the country, no, no friends, no relatives there. A little bit challenging, but since the day we came, it's uh, never looking back. Yeah. And so today, what, uh, what is uh, your role a day-to-day in the operation? I'm more in the accounting part. I do the grower accounting and the accounts payable. And he does the other logistics and the sales part of it. So it's been good all through. So this is my 22nd year, carrying on the same portfolio. Enjoyed it thoroughly, learned every day, and never regret a day. Mm-hmm. And uh, you talk about the growth, I guess, over the past, what, what are we at now? 30 years. How has the growth been? Has it been kind of a, just a steady growth over time or were there been kind of big milestones or, or catalysts? The uh, first 10 years uh, were really, really fast paced growth. And then the 10 to 20 years was very, very decent. And in the last five years, I would say because of the way the industry is now, we've slowed our pace down, uh, but we're still growing in a, in a way that uh, we are increasing our packaging capabilities. We just slowed down the gas pedal just in the last two years because of the economics in the industry right now. So I would say, you know, it's, it's, it's been a pretty phenomenal growth for us. Hmm. And how have the, and I'd be curious to hear kind of both from a financial perspective as well as more operational perspective, uh, how have the, the shipment challenges of the past year, you know, impacted you all? I think it was huge. I think uh, that really set the entire industry on a back foot. I think if you look at the economics till 2019, the grower returns or return to the farms were phenomenal. 
and 2020, even after the COVID was great, till we started having logistical challenges. So I think that logistics had a huge impact on the industry. And for you, as you see this slowdown, and you kind of mentioned you've adjusted to things sort of slowing down a little bit, how has that changed how you look at the future, how you plan for where the business sort of goes from here? I think the way we are looking at the future right now is it's, it's time to hunker down a little bit. Overall, I'm very optimistic about the almond industry. I think we have a bad phase, uh, hopefully last only one more year, not more. And uh, as soon as we get back to the normal life in terms of COVID, in terms of logistical challenges, in terms of uh, Ukraine war, I think some of those things have to go away from our lives and uh, we'll, we'll be back to the normal swing of things. And and what about kind of the global demand? Obviously, the you know we have some supply issues, we have some logistical issues. You know, the global demand is there is there reason you know to be optimistic about the growth in demand in in other countries? I think the uh, India and China, as we all know, they they are huge countries in terms of the population. I think we literally just scratched the surfaces on the demand. Per capita consumption in those countries is still uh, far below than most of the developed countries. And uh, there's a lot, a lot of room for uh, growth. And I think uh, some of the challenges that we have in terms of tariffs, some political challenges, and uh, some other issues that come up from logistical challenges or the wars, I think if those things are gone, a sky is the limit as far as the demand goes. I think uh, we all recognize that there's a huge potential just in those two countries and all the developed parts of the world as we are developing more product. We know we are dealing with a very healthy product. We don't have to make it healthy. It's genuinely healthy product and it's very versatile. It has a long shelf life. A lot of products can be developed. So the overall growth is there. I think it's just a matter of time to overcome some of these barriers that I mentioned. And right now, are buyers waiting to see if things will get cheaper? Or, I mean, it seems like, quote unquote, be on sale, you know, the way things are today. I think the buyers are looking more for stability in the prices. I don't think necessarily buyers are looking for cheaper almonds. Uh, in 2014-15, we were selling almonds at two and a half times where we are today, and they were still moving. I think buyers are concerned because in the last couple of years, buyers have also lost money. Buyers have lost money because of the logistical challenges. Buyers have lost money because of the fluctuation in the prices, which are beyond our control, which are beyond industry controls, other outside factors. As long as we are stable in our prices and prices go up a little bit, I think buyers are also happy. Not necessarily necessarily cheaper, but I think more stable prices. I think it's so fascinating how, you know, your story of coming here with Afghanistan, what's happened there. Are there other regions that are emerging? Like we did an episode about Spain and Portugal. Are there other geographies like that that are emerging that are competitive threats to what we're doing here in the U.S.? I think uh, everybody knows about Australia and Chile. They're already there. And Spain and Portugal are the new ones. You already touched on that. I'm not aware of anybody else to that level yet. Okay. And I imagine in India, it's probably there probably is not the climate that is right for domestic production. And is that true also in China? Do you know? I think uh, what I know of China is they did try their hands on almonds and walnuts at the same time. Walnuts, they've been successful. Almonds, they are not successful. I think uh, had to do with the kind of climate, the Mediterranean climate that is needed. It doesn't exist over there. Right. Okay. Do you know much of the history of like, how did that culture in India develop with the almonds not being grown there? 
Like, how is it so deeply entrenched in, in the culture of eating almonds? Uh, they were always imported from countries like Afghanistan. So the the India that you see right now had a much larger international border. The India almost touched Afghanistan. So I think there was a lot of influx of troops coming back and forth. And I think some of those cultures were brought in. And, uh, you know, before these protein shakes and protein powders or pre-workouts were even in existence, there's quite a history of uh, wrestlers coming from northern India. And part of it is in Pakistan now, part of it is in India. And they all grew up on almond diet giving it to the wrestlers. And if you Google some of the old-time wrestlers, almonds are the number one in the ingredients of the diet they had. That's amazing. I, I had no idea. Ground almond powder in hot glass of milk was considered as a protein shake. For, for years. For anybody. For, years, for, for anybody. Years years. We've seen moms and dads actually encouraging to grind the almonds, soaked almonds into a powder or a paste, and then totally dissolving it like a protein powder in hot milk. So the old-time wrestlers... Their thing was, how many kilos of almonds are you going to eat every day? Really? And so, they were, they were like the original almond influencers. Probably. Because people are thinking like, well, look at that person. They're big and tough and strong and I want to be like them and I'm going to eat almonds as well. That is so cool. And I don't know if it still is, but wrestling was real big uh, as far as like a spectator sport at that point or? Yeah, it was huge actually. Yeah. It was big. So, is there much of an almond industry left in Afghanistan today? There is some, but I think a lot of it got destroyed by the wars. And uh, there was a time till 19, late 1980s, the Afghan almonds were still considered superior. People used to think they are better than the California almonds. But as the research happened, people got more educated. They think, oh, California almonds are as delicious or as nutritious. Almonds are almonds. They could be different variants from different regions, like Spanish almonds could be a little different. Afghan almonds could be a little different. But as far as main nutrition value that's there, it's there. So interesting. Wow. On that subject of like the history of almond consumption in India, I don't even know what I don't know. And so is there anything else that I'm not asking about related to that that would be interesting to better understand how, you know, how a culture who doesn't grow almonds becomes so committed uh, to eating them? Yeah, I think over the years, because then the civilization is so old and they realize the value of almonds. I mean, I can go on and on. I mean, almond oil was given to pregnant ladies <laughs> for their health. Just as in like baby development as, when they're pregnant? Yeah, to us the last term, just to help them to ease the process. I do remember moms putting almonds in my coat pockets. That was a very normal snack throughout the day. We've actually grown up with that thing when you take out, you take out almonds out of your pocket. So, Wow. Well, I think everybody in the industry is going to be wondering like, well, how do we, how do we encourage that here and every other country? <laughs> here, kids take it in a different way. They go through their nutrition bars or they have cereals with the almonds in there or they drink almond milk there. And then, then there are a lot of bakery products produced with the almond meal or almond flour. So there are things which are happening here, but they're in a, in a much modern way, more aware way. Where we are coming from culturally, it was more authentic. Here, it's a little bit more modern, more developed. But things are still the same. The ingredients are still the same and which are going to remain just as best as they were. I think in my opinion, humble opinion, I think if Almond Board does more of generic California almond promotion, we see that in almond milk, um, cereals and bars and everywhere people know about it. But I think if we do more in terms of 
California much on everybody's face all over the world, including U.S., I think that's going to be really, really beneficial. Wow. Do you all get to travel back to India very much anymore? We go there once a year at least. Okay. In which part of the country? Uh, we are from northern uh, near New Delhi. Okay. You know, what else should we make sure we talk about on an episode about kind of international almond trade and, of course, your story of coming here and, and uh, putting down roots in Chico? I, I think the more important message is we need to get message out for California almonds and their health benefits and people should eat more and they should not be afraid of it. I think one of the myths which California Almond Board has busted in India because when we grew up, it was considered like a, a snack item for the winter months and that got busted. Now it's a pretty much a year round nut and people can eat anytime. But I think the main message is like people should eat more and I think one of the things in some parts of the world, people still get confused that California almonds are less nutritious, less healthier, less oil in them than any counterpart from Iran or Afghanistan. And we try to tell people, show me the research. Where is the nutrition value? Oh, it's a hearsay thing. So I think if some of those myths can be even busted, then we will see more of that consumption. Right. And is most of that related to health and nutrition? Yes. To add to it, that has been my breakfast for the last 35 years, having almonds every day in the morning. How do you prepare them? I just soak, soak them in the water to make them soften because I used to eat so much. My dentist said, hey man, there's some <laughs> abrasions. Do you eat candy? I said, no, I don't eat candy. Yeah. I said, I eat almonds. So he says, why don't you soften them up a little bit? I like to use the skin because a lot of people peel off the skin. There's a lot of value in the skin. So I just soak them in the water so they're a little soft and I consume them raw. I wonder, you know, people do those overnight oats where they put oats in. The, I wonder if they should do that with almonds. And We've been can. doing it we've as kids doing. and we've been eating it as kids and we still do it today. I'll try it. I've never tried that. Yeah, I need They to just get a little soft. I think the flavor enhances because the crunch is not there. The softness of the almonds gives you a little bit of the, like easy bite. So I think it's a flavor enhancer. It's like a healthy cereal. Yeah. Yes, you I, can add it to I, your oats as well. We both do not miss a day without eating almonds. No, this is great. Well, uh, before I let you go, I want to add a couple more questions, kind of forward-looking type questions. You know, as you think about the future of almonds, you mentioned already that, hey, we're in this time where it's, it's kind of time to hunker down a little bit. You know, what keeps you optimistic of, of the industry getting through that and, and for the future of California almonds? I think a couple of things. One thing is that we have marketed three billion pound crops a couple of years ago. And we were very successful with that before the COVID, before logistical challenges. The industry is uh, very resilient. Uh, there is a very good infrastructure in place in terms of, you know, the UC cooperative extensions, the almond board, the people in the industry, the processors, the growers. It's a very dynamic situation here. And uh, we just have to overcome the barriers that we have in terms of logistical challenges or the inflation or the war. And I think we could have overdone some of the production. Maybe the industry was doing too well. Maybe a lot of people from outside came in, invested in it. So I think the availability of water, the Sigma coming in, I think it's going to restrict the growth in terms of the supply of the almonds. But at the same time, I think the innovation and the demand side, uh, especially the almond board is going to keep working on increasing the awareness. And we have countries like India and China where people are going to need uh, natural good food, high protein stuff, uh, which is vegan also. So combined all these factors, I'm kind of hopeful and positive that 
you know, this industry is going to grow. Yeah. The demand's there, right? It hasn't gone away. What about um, sustainability? You know, you mentioned Sigma and obviously on, on the minds of, of a lot of consumers here, I don't know because I don't, I don't travel internationally too often, but a lot of consumers here for sure is like the sustainability of their food. Is that happening in other countries that, that you all uh, market to as well? Is sustainability as important of a driver for consumers as, as it is here? I think it's more of a driver in in the developed countries because in the developing or underdeveloped countries, people have bigger challenges. They have a challenge of whether they have enough to feed themselves. And I think if you really think about farming industry, I don't think there's any industry that is more sustainable than farming Mm. because it just goes down to the ground level, basically. So if any industry is going to be sustainable, farming is the number one industry that is going to be sustainable because if you don't produce, you don't farm, you don't do anything, there's nothing else you can do. All the fancy clothes and shoes and everything else doesn't mean anything if you don't have food to eat. Yeah, yeah. What's the... uh, the the quote, and I don't know who to attribute to, which is if, if you have enough food, you have a lot of problems. If you don't have enough food, you have one problem, right? What about the uh, visibility into the supply chain from the people that you all are selling to? Are they asking for more transparency in supply chains? That seems to be a trend around there. Like we want to know more about not only where the products come from, but how they were grown. You know, people tend to ask those questions, but I think the way things are done in California, especially, we are very visible. We don't have the issues of, I do not know if you want me to quote, like some of the other countries where child labor could be a problem or a bonded labor could be a problem or people are not following the rules in terms of applying the pesticides and and fertilizers. And here, everything is counted. Everything is accountable. The system, the infrastructure, as I talked, the, you know, the local act commissioner's office, the growers themselves are very aware of the university system is there. The agriculture department is there. The IM on board is there. We are so visible and we are proud to share that information with the people. Uh, we do get questionnaire from time to time from some people from other parts of the world where they will say, oh, do you have bonded labor? Do you have this? You have that? We, none of those things exist. As far as I'm concerned, we are very visible. We are very open book. We invite our customers to come visit our factories, visit our farms, go wherever they want to go and see what we do. Well, such a great interview. I really enjoyed that. Thank you very much to Monish and Versa Seth for taking the time to be on the podcast. India is such an important market for California almonds, and it's really great to get that context. I'm sure no matter who you are, you probably learned something new from that interview. I know I learned quite a bit. Well, the importance of the market in India is something that is certainly a focus of the Almond Board of California, and also that's going to be the focus of today's ABC update. India remains the top export market for California almonds. In fact, shipments to the country more than doubled between 2016 and 2021. Almond Board of California Vice President of Global Technical and Regulatory Affairs Julie Adams says despite this historic growth, India remains a top priority today for growing demand for California almonds. India is absolutely incredible. And as Monish was relaying, it's really about relationships and and a cultural history that is amazing in terms of the way almonds have been front and center for so many years. 
Well, you see that not everyone can afford almonds in India. What we're hearing is that over these last few years, demand is really expanding, and not only in urban areas, but in rural India. So we're seeing more and more interest in almonds being part of not only snacking or the, the morning consumption, which is quite typical, but we're seeing almonds being incorporated in a lot more ingredients, milk, butters, chopped forms. Obviously, Indians have always used almonds in their sweets, but we're seeing a, a lot more interest in day-to-day -day consumption. But there still are some real challenges to be addressed when it comes to shipping more almonds to India. Adams says retaliatory tariffs and global competition are both important factors to watch. It's a challenging environment. We still have retaliatory tariffs in India, which put us at somewhat of a price disadvantage. You also have Australia, which is now rolling out a trade agreement that they have with the Indian government. So that started just at the end of December, which means Australian almonds have a 50% duty advantage compared to U.S. So that's really going to be challenging to, to watch how that starts to roll out in the market. Now, California is still the largest supplier and producer of almonds. So we're, we're still going to be the largest share in the Indian market. But you really don't want to see this kind of a pricing disadvantage or price pressure in the market or anything that could disrupt the ability of, of California to keep shipping to the market. And this is a big part of Julie's role to address issues impacting the shipment of California almonds, which include technical issues, market access and regulatory hurdles. She just returned stateside from Gulf Food, which is the world's largest food exhibition in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. While she was there, she was able to interact with a number of buyers from not only India, but many countries throughout the world. Gulf Foods is probably the largest or one of the largest food expositions that takes place. It's also an opportunity for importers and trade, not only from the, the Middle East, but really we see quite a few people from Africa and Europe also coming to Gulf Food to meet with industry members, um, see the country pavilions, and get a sense of what are some of those new products that are, are coming on. And really the purpose of having an almond board booth there is to serve as a contact point. So for people interested in almonds who maybe don't have a lot of information, they're looking for general contacts or finding background information on grades, standards, nutrition information, etc. So we provide that information and then we can help put inquiries in touch with suppliers of almonds in California. So we always have our supplier list front and center in that booth. After this trip around the world promoting California almonds and hearing what buyers have to say, Julie's takeaway is one of optimism for what's ahead for this industry. We're all dealing with some really difficult challenges from the economics to weather to everything else. But from a consumer perspective, the way they look at almonds, what they want from a healthy product, a healthy choice, almonds still fit squarely in that area. And so we just have to keep 
the demand growing. We have to keep working with our partners across governments and trade to to really look at the longer term growth. And I think almonds are going to continue to be a big part of that growth. Well, thank you very much to Julie Adams for providing today's ABC update. If you're listening to this and interested in becoming more involved with technical and regulatory affairs or global market development, the Almond Board of California has committees for both of those areas. I highly encourage you to visit their website and learn more about these committees and others that you could get involved with. We'll leave a link directly to that page of the website in the show notes. We here at the Almond Journey podcast believe everyone in the almond industry has a story of their own of how they're making things work on their farms or in their jobs. Hearing voices of industry leaders, people like Monish and Versha Seth may have sparked a connection or an idea that you can use in your own journey. That's why we want to feature these stories of innovation, resilience, and community here on the podcast. I hope you'll come along for the ride by subscribing to this show on your podcast platform of choice. And please pass it along to someone else in the industry so we can all share in this almond journey together. Mm-hmm.